Welcome to Views from the Porch, a lifestyle podcast where we have weekly conversations about some of the biggest challenges young adults face today. Our desire is to use God's word and our experience leading thousands of young adults at the porch to challenge you, push you, keep it real with you, and walk alongside you as you navigate your defining years as a young adult. For more info on the porch, visit theporch.live or follow us on social media. And with that, here's this week's episode. What's up, guys? This is David. We are back with another episode of Views from the Porch. I'm joined with Mrs. Becca Kepto. Hey, guys. And back again. We're back. Second episode in a row, second week in a row. Adam I'm moving in. Tarno. I'll be Welcome here next back. week. Let's go. I haven't man. been invited, but I'm back. What let's, are we talking about next let's week? Let's go. What, uh-huh. I don't know. But what, whatever you want. I'm in. Yeah, we would love that. If you were not listening last week, you probably should hit pause and go listen to that one. But Adam, high level, runs a consulting company now, helps and trains organizations and businesses and develops leadership within organizational teams, leadership, raising up and developing young leaders. And uh, or old leaders just across the board. <laughs> Lots of old leaders. Leaders in general. I mean, they're old. <laughs> they're old. He was on staff with us for 10 years. He and I have, have worked together for or worked together for a decade. We did. Yeah. And it's taught many times at the ports. Hey, so. my first staff lunch. Yeah. There was a list of, of staff members and Todd asked all of us and said, who on this list, if you're new, who do you not know? Right. Yeah. Who do you not know? And I remember... I raised my hand. He goes, Adam, who do you not know on this list? And I said, uh, David Marvin? Was <laughs> I at the lunch? Yes, you were at that lunch. Wow. And that's how I connected David Marvin and your face together. I was wow. like, that's David. Okay, now, and I've never forgotten David Marvin. I don't no remember way. that lunch. Where was it? Uh, it was on like the third floor. Wow. Man, that is so funny. Yeah. I like. Uh, you had weird socks on that day. I remember. <laughs> yeah, because it was like something going on and you had some weird socks on. Oh, man. So, anyway. I, that man that's intriguing. Okay, Adam's back. We're going to have a part two. Last week, we kicked off pitfalls of the work environment. And really, our heart, as we're about to jump in, is to help. If you want to stand out and you want to honor God at your work and you want to have a career where you just continue to honor God and also stand out with excellence, there's some really practical and uh, easy, it may not be the right way, but simple That's things way that, that'll help you. But before we go there, um, you're a big baseball guy, right? Love it. Who is going to win the World Series this year? Oh, gosh. I, I mean, I'm going to put my money on the Yankees. Over the Dodgers? I think so. Really? Yeah. And Walker Bueller, another, like, they just lost a big pitcher. Um, I just don't know. I don't know. They won it a couple years ago. It is really hard to win a lot of World Series in a short period of time. So I think the Yankees are due. I think this is a special season for Aaron Judge. Wow. Um, so Good. that's who I'm going to put my money on. Do the Astros have a chance? I, no. No? Are they <laughs> because bad? I can't I stand them. Right? Oh, that, that's, that's why. Right. Yeah. You hate the Astros. <laughs> yes. I love the Astros. My 12-year-old bought, it was his birthday recently, got a gift card to Target, bought some baseball cards. He still, when we open up the packs, if he sees an Astro. No. Chucks it across the room, and I give him a high five, and I go, "That's exactly okay. right." Okay, oh we're not gosh. gonna we're not gonna go long here, but uh, here's <laughs> here's the reason why I don't think that's fair. Um, what you're gonna say is the reason? Oh, because they cheat. You, is that you the don't reason like them because they cheat, right? right? They're cheating. Well, no, and I didn't like them before because they beat the Rangers. Yeah, and uh, they won the World Series before the Rangers. It is pure jealousy. That is, is an ugly, ugly emotion. Yeah, but it's it's jealousy. At least you admit it. Yes. But anyone who says they cheat, here's my thing. Uh oh. Everybody in baseball cheats. There's not a team out there. Am I wrong? And you are a leader of young adults <laughs> trying to lead them in the way that is right. Yeah, well, that's true. Like I, maybe I should back off a little bit. I, I'm saying the hypocrisy, though, is pretty strong. People are stealing signs. I mean, it, it, all right, we'll, we'll move Fair on. Enough. Fair enough. And um, 
I just lost train of thought on even what we're yeah. doing. I'm just All pretending right. like I know what you guys oh, are talking about. Oh, first jobs. What first was your job. first job? Becca, what was your first job oh, ever I, that you can remember? I have a great Ever one. or my first full-time job? Well, let's do both. What was your first job ever, like maybe in high school, and then okay. what was your first full-time my job? My first high school job, I was a hostess at a local restaurant. So Called? What was it called? Um, It was called The Moon Underwater. It was very like Ooh. boho hippie. I'm from St. Pete, Florida. It's a very hipster town. Okay. So it was but, like a it was a seafood. No, it was like British. I don't know what you would call it. It wow. had like fish and chips. And okay. Like a pub almost. Yeah, kind of. Interesting. Um, Moon yeah. underwater. Everybody's googling that right yeah, now. For sure. I was Their a website there. just crashed. And but, my hard take is everyone should work in the service industry at some point because you just learn so many yeah. people's skills. Um, but yeah, that was my first part-time job. First full-time job was back in 2015 after I graduated from Florida State. And it was in St. Pete. I worked for a local uh, billionaire in the Tampa Bay area. Did PR for him. He owned a yacht club, record label, yeah, professional did. soccer team. Was it Kanye? <laughs> it was not, but it was definitely... <laughs> you hear that? Had a yeah. yacht club, a billionaire, yeah. had a what else? First of um, all, I've never heard the sentence, uh, the local billionaire. Yeah, right? yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. I love that. That's great. Oh, we've all worked for the local billionaire. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Who hasn't been there Who before? Hasn't? It, was, it was a very interesting job. I have a lot of stories from that, but yeah, did PR for all of his companies, so wow. learned okay. a lot. Very I good. had a great first job. Okay. I Like, I think it's the best at this table. The modeling? Or is this different? <laughs> oh, we're <laughs> right. going there. Okay. okay. Oh, that's fine. That's no, fine. no, no. I, at 16 years old, worked for two years for Hen's Garden in Houston, Texas, delivering Chinese food. And, man, it was steady. It was, as a kid, you're crushing it. You're yeah. like, man, I'm getting tips left and right. This was before phones had maps. Yeah. So I I had a physical map that I am driving around, <laughs> and my car driver side door didn't open. So oh, in order to get out of the car, I would have to climb over the Chinese food no. and go in there and deliver it. And it had its ups and downs. I mean, there were times where you know food gets broken down, and I, I learned then that anytime if you deliver food or you know Uber Eats or anything that happens right now, and it's messed up inside. It's always the delivery person. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I would, you know, I've thought, oh, I'm calling because the restaurant threw this in there. But because I personally probably ruined so many different Chinese food things <laughs> on people, I hand them the bag and there's just, just dripping. juices dripping yeah. out. The duck sauce is opened up. <laughs> Enjoy oh. it. Um, and uh, But it was great. The guy was named Sonny. Um, I, there was, other than the owner, not a single Chinese person who worked in the kitchen wow. making food. And I, I got, bet you crushed that. Oh, like, crushed it. I mean, you, if there's somebody that you want to represent your business well, like, I want you to knock on my customer's doors and deliver the product, like, it's David Marvin. I love it. That's who you wow. want to It was do great, that. man. That's and, amazing. Uh, I also learned the importance of tipping. Yeah. When you work in the service industry, you, 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 really, you tip better. Yeah, you understand that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then my first full-time is honestly pretty boring. It was coming on staff here. Okay. There you go. And wearing weird socks. And wearing weird socks. <laughs> I, I got to find those socks, yeah. I know, I and, know. What was yours? Uh, restaurant as well. Uh, grew up in the D.C. area. Was living in Silver Spring, Maryland at the time. There was a big chain restaurant called Chesapeake Bay Seafood House. And I was a busboy. I smelled so bad <laughs> after those shifts. I mean, just, oh, just oh, terrible. Oh, sure. Yeah. Like, my mom wouldn't talk to me until change, take a shower, now tell me how the, how the work went. How, how old were you? Uh, I was driving, so 16, probably 16, 17. Then I was a lifeguard and then, you know, all kinds of weird part-time jobs through college and things like that. Blockbuster video, thank you very much wow, in college. Wow, that's a blast from the Old past. Old school. You yeah. don't even, do you know what that is? Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay. I used to go there Friday nights with my family. Yes. Yeah. Got a movie. Yeah, movie night and pizza. All right. Yeah. We're diving in. Yep. Regardless, wait, where was your first full-time? Uh, PricewaterhouseCoopers in, in Atlanta. That's right. Yeah, yeah that's the right. accounting firm. 
Um, man, well, if you work at Hens or you work at PwC or you work at Moon Underwater, Moon Underwater, yeah. <laughs> well, we're about to dive in. I think will be helpful. And if you work in an organization or you know somebody who leads an organization or, you know, even regardless of your faith, if you apply these things, I think it will both honor God if you do have, you are a follower of Christ, and it'll make you stand out inside of the workplace, as we talked about last week, simply because so few people the bar is is low. It's low. Yeah. yeah, that's what we talked about, right? Employee engagement stats, just go Google them. Uh, uh, they are very low, right? Globally, in the 20% of people who are engaged at work, uh, here in the United States, it's about 34%. Uh, even for what, our, what does that mean? Just yeah. So engagement is is really a way to try to measure a person's emotional commitment to their job in the organization. Mm, so interesting. And so that's what they're trying to figure out. Is uh, you know to quote my um, my alma mater's football coach Dabo Sweeney, "Are you all in or not?" That that's what they're really trying to figure out. It's it's trying to measure how all in a person is, and so. If you uh, don't just do your to-do list, but there are some other measurements saying, I care about this place, my team, where the organization is going, you are said to be engaged, right? And so there's engaged, then there is disengaged, and then there's actively disengaged. So that's the way they talk about it. So the engaged, um, we, you know, that those are the people that are really all in. Then there's the disengaged, which would probably now be called the quiet quitters, right? The people who are just kind of like, yeah, I'm just going to punch the clock, go home do my thing. I'm not really trying. I don't really care. And then the actively disengaged are those who are actively seeking to leave their job. They can't stand it. They want to get out of there. Um, Or spending the whole time on Facebook or Instagram, TikTok, with all. For sure. Doing all that. So, uh, So yeah. So I think there's an opportunity for anybody that wants to have a meaningful and impactful career, especially those who claim to be followers of Jesus, which I, I would hope we would all want to just be God's man and woman wherever we are in that moment. And for a lot of us, we spend a lot of time at work, right? We need to be able to do that. And so how can we stand out? What does it look like to show you're all in? Because I really think this is becoming the new competitive advantage, right? Is everybody's smart. I mean, we live in the golden age of learning right now, podcasts, uh, YouTube, masterclass, whatever it is. You can get your online degree in anything very, very fast. And so everybody is smart. And so no longer is that resume and what your GPA was going to be what really sets you apart. I think the new competitive advantage is, are you all in, right? Are you emotionally engaged here? And so for those that want to be all in, that want to be emotionally engaged, the question would then become how? Like, how do I show that? And I don't think it's very difficult. And that's where uh, a co-author and I, David Morrison, we came up with a framework called The Edge, and the EDGE is an acronym that stands for Energy, Diligence, Growth, and Endurance. So that if you can be a person who is bringing energy every day, just a positive attitude, uh, you are diligent towards your job, meaning there's a care and a persistence that you're showing to, I want to be competent and I want to do my job with excellence. Growth, meaning I have a growth mindset for myself personally. I want to keep growing, but I also want to see the organization grow. And then endurance, because as we all know, having lived through the past two years, life loves to throw you curveballs, and you've got to be able to endure through all of that, as we talked about in the last episode to the Valley of Trash, right? You develop endurance as you go through these hard seasons. So if you can, if you can do those things, right, you can show up every day, positive attitude, you care about your job, you want to grow, you want to see the organization grow, and you're developing endurance, I'm like, watch out, because you are going to get noticed and... There's going to be some fun things that'll happen. And I think all four of those are very, very practical things that you can do. Yeah. And I'm guessing you would say, because I think a lot of people listening 
are probably disengaged. And if you said, here's how to be engaged, they'd go, I don't even want to be engaged. I don't, I don't like my job where I'm at. I'm waiting for another career opportunity. And I think the one, as followers of Jesus, we're called and commanded to work heartily as though we're working for the Lord, not for man, and to honor authorities around us as a reflection of how we honor God. But doing these things, even if you're at a job that is not your long-term career path or not where you want to be or not where you love to be, will one, set you up for your flexing muscles that will make you prepared for the whatever for sure. God has ahead. Yep. And it probably will, it's only going to help you uh, gain influence and gain t- to get to a place to where if you ever did leave, they'd go, hey, we don't want him to leave, and but if you hire him man, or her, man, that, they're going to be an amazing employee. Yep. And it's yeah. only going to help prepare you for whatever is next. That's right. If you're on this journey, and David and I write about this in the book when we talk about motivation and how motivation plays into bringing energy, that when you're doing things that motivate you, the challenge is it takes a long time to figure out what motivates you. I think one of the cruelest things in our culture right now, and I'm, I'm being a little facetious there, is that we uh, make 19-year-olds pick a major, right? It's like you're, so at the, you're at the peak of your confidence, but the valley of your wisdom and why don't you decide now what you want to be when you grow up, right? That do, that makes no sense. And so a lot of times we pick jobs that just fit with our major because it's like, well, my parents are, I just borrowed all this money and I just paid for this. Why don't I try this? But listen, most of, a lot of times you don't even like what you picked your major to Totally. Be. And so I like to think about finding motivation. If you really want to find your motivation, I like to think about it like a puzzle that you're putting together a puzzle, but it's a, it's like a jigsaw puzzle with a twist where normal jigsaw puzzle, 100 pieces, they all fit together. This one comes with 100 pieces, but only like 15 of them fit together. And so you got to find the 85 that don't to be able to find the 15 that do. And that takes some time. And so, I mean, really first decade of your career, you're just kind of running these experiments to try to figure out what motivates you, what doesn't. If you're on that path, to try to find that match quality, right? Like I want to find a job and a career that matches my natural strengths, my natural interests. If you're on that path, I just don't think you can waste your life, right? I, I just think you'll, you're viewing everything as helping you put the puzzle together. And it may take a couple of years to identify a piece that doesn't fit, but that was not a waste. That was not a waste, right? You may get fired from a job because you were terrible at it. Not a waste. You're, you're just like, okay, I know it's not that now. I'm getting closer to putting together this puzzle. And um, and so I think those that take that mentality, that don't just sit there and go, boss, I'm disengaged. Like, what are you going to do to engage me? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that just go, okay, I'm disengaged. Why? Let me take some ownership of this. I can't wait for somebody else to tell me what to be when I grow up. I've got to own that. Yeah, and I've got right. to think through that. What? How has the Lord wired me? And yeah, I may not like this job, but I'm learning something yeah. and I'm going to keep my eyes open and and just keep putting it putting this puzzle together. Yeah. Um, why don't we go through the acronym, yeah. dive a little bit deeper inside of each one of those? Because I'd be intrigued, even on energy, um, you know, I, I'm guessing it's bringing both an energy and an attitude. It's a positive attitude was what you said. For sure. Like, what, how would you unpack that one? Yeah, I mean, I think there is uh, two very practical ways to be a person that when you walk into the room, the room, uh, the, the energy in the room goes up in a good way right? To be that person. David, honestly, I think about you, right? I, I do too. I do if too. If I'm being honest. You I mean, really are like that. He's a golden retriever. <laughs> that's, that's why what I you were so great at delivering that I'm food. telling you, man. Yeah. But what, what people probably don't know is that David and I, as we worked together, we were in a lot of meetings that didn't have microphones, right? And we weren't recording everything. And when we encouraged one another, David was constantly being encouraged for his positive energy and his attitude. 
And as I've watched over 10 years, your career trajectory, and I know it's weird in ministry to call it that, but as I've watched that, I think that's one of your superpowers. I think you are example 1A of what uh, a positive energy can do, what it can do for a team and what it can do uh, for an organization. And then ultimately for, for you know, the amazing opportunity that you all have to steward so many, uh, this leadership responsibility that you've got right now, right? So, um, and I think of two things that you do really well, right? That are so, like, you can start to do this. Hey, I did not see this coming. Okay? You did, but I, I'm, I'm taking it. Let's go. <laughs> this is going to be an hour long episode. <laughs> um, optimism and gratitude. Optimism and gratitude. Like, th- like w- the world needs some optimism right now. And if there's anybody on the face of the planet that, that I'm going to say this word, should be bringers of optimism. Uh, hopefully it's us as followers of Jesus, right? We know the end of the story. We know how this goes. We know we know that the Lord has us. We know we're not going to be snatched from his hands. I love what Jesus says in John 16, 33, as he's, you know, he just dropped some not maybe not so great news on his disciples, right? And in, in the sense of basically saying, hey, I'm telling you these things so that you can have peace because in this world, you're going to have trouble. And we all said, amen. And he said, but take heart, I've overcome the world. And some translations, not the one I read, I read the NIV, but it says, uh, so Jesus would say, be of good cheer, right? Like be of good cheer. And if there's anybody that I think needs to be of good cheer, it's those who are followers of Jesus. We have reasons to be cheerful. If there's an area of leadership over the last two years in my own life that I've just been convicted uh, by, it is, it is my lack of optimism. And I watched some leaders through 2020 that really, really convicted me. One was a, was a client of mine, the CEO of an organization. I don't know where he stands from a faith perspective, but he was one of the most optimistic leaders. And watching him lead his organization during that time convicted me. And then there was another gentleman uh, who is a follower of Jesus in my neighborhood who had such an, uh, um, like a, an amazing impact in our neighborhood because of his optimism. And it was just convicting. And so like optimism, especially right now, that stands out. And, and so, David, I think you you do a good example of that and a good job of that. And I like what our buddy Clay Scroggins says about optimism, that it's a choice. Right? Yeah, you I was going to say, I feel like there's a lot of people that may be listening that don't feel like they're wired. I know, David, that's like really part of your personality and who you're wired to be. Sure, sure. Um, whereas people may tend to have more of a negative outlook on that's life. Right. And so how do you force that optimism if you don't feel like it's part of how you are wired? Which is exactly the right question. How can we be optimistic and not fake it? Yeah. And so um, I can tell you about what I do, right? I don't know if there's a science on this. that It's like, oh, follow this formula. But here's what I do. Number one is if I'm not taking care of myself, it is really difficult for me to make that choice. So if I'm not sleeping well, getting outside, spending time with friends— spending time with the Lord, whatever it is, if I'm not doing those things, it's going to be really difficult for me to make that choice. Um, I do, I mean, this is going to sound so cliche. I try not to consume a tremendous amount of negativity, which, which, you know, practically I like Twitter and Facebook. There's just, I, I just, I, I, like my, my family and I were really weird. We actually get the Dallas morning news, like the print version. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll, I'll read some headlines there. I read the morning brew in the mornings just to get some headlines, but I'm just not, we're not watching whatever news channel. I just, I just try to look at what's going on around me. I don't want to be ignorant of what's going on, but it's just, Hey, I'm going to, you know, not just sit there and just keep consuming facts about situations for which I have zero control. over. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Um, what do you do? 
Man, I think because your life, what people, I mean, it's not like you've got an easy life, right? And I don't mean that to be. I mean, you have some very difficult things that you put up with yeah. in life and leadership, like all of us do. Sure, so yeah. How do you make the choice? I think I think one, some of it is disposition. Um, I think uh, I think as believers, we have such an, a helpful theology for seeing the brokenness of our world, and in you know. If you want to pretend that everything's great and everything's okay and everything's fun and life isn't hard, then I think you're setting yourself up for constant disappointment. And as weird as a way of, you know, I went down this, so I'm just speaking practically, personally. Whenever you begin to go, no, the world is really broken and really hard and life is filled with really painful moments, um, I think it gives you the ability to enjoy the, the you're almost putting the bar so low on life that then anything positive you're like this is a mate we're sitting in air conditioning and you know this is the light turned green the light turned green and uh and i think uh and i think too many of us find so much like i shared this past tuesday and i think some of it is really disposition and, and none of us can take credit for that and um but um this past tuesday i was sharing about how you'll relate to this completely whenever you record a game that you want to watch and Somebody ends up telling you the score, and it's a bummer. But I'll still go watch the game, even if they say, like, I'll watch the Aggies or watch the Cowboys or watch whatever. And I know the score, and I wish I didn't, but I do. So now I do, but I still know the Cowboys win, and then I'm watching play the Falcons, and it's halfway through the fourth quarter, and the Falcons get a fumble and return it, and they go ahead. I find myself able to go, it's okay. I know the Cowboys win in the end. Uh, Now I just get to see how it ends. And I think as believers, we really do have that – um, it, it's not just cliche and it doesn't make life easier, but we still have the ability to go, man, I know how it ends in the end. And, um, and I'm going to face hard things in this life. And knowing that allows me to almost anticipate it. And then when it doesn't, it's all upside. Yep. That's um, good. And there may be somebody that really does struggle with pessimism. Um, and, and I would put myself in that category, even just asking optimistic friends to share, don't sell me, but share why you're optimistic is helpful, right? Because there are perspectives that you hear and you're like, yeah, I guess I just got kind of got caught in my own world there. Um, it's not as bad as I think, but um, yeah. Do you think there's any scenario where the optimism can be too much or not helpful? Because I know I'm just thinking through my backgrounds working in PR. So there's scenarios where if I walked in a room and I was like, no, nah, it's, it's all going to be good. And yeah. there's a crisis going on like that in that case. I just am used to, in those scenarios, having to be realistic and being like, okay, these are the facts. Yep. And no, like, this could be really bad. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, I appreciate you bringing that up because, there, you know, with everything, there's nuance and detail and exceptions to all of this stuff. But, yeah, I mean, you can find uh, toxic optimism where that is uh, just completely ignoring uh, what is going on and um, not addressing reality. I think that would be it taken too far. So there, there is definitely some balance with all of this. But if we just think about the general, like for the listener right now, just think about the tone and the vibe in your office or in your organization that you work for and just ask, is that what I describe us as being optimistic or pessimistic? If you're on that pessimistic side, you've got a great opportunity to stand out, right? Just to bring some positive energy. That's good. Mm-hmm. All right. The second one was diligence. Diligence. Yeah. Okay. Just caring. And, and really, I'd reference back to the last episode when we talked about competency, right? You just care about your job, right? Just care about it. You want to get better at your job. Competency is the fastest way to build trust. Um, so crush your job, 
learn about the organization, learn about the industry that you're in. All of these are ways to show that you're diligent. Yeah, and and would you file going above and beyond in that? And not to kill yourself, but just, I know on my team, when somebody is doing things that they weren't asked to do, I've seen Becca earlier today. She was she was referencing, she basically sent me a message saying, hey, here's some things I've been thinking through of potential work things. Man, there's not a boss on the planet that gets that when they didn't even ask for it, that doesn't go, man, that person needs more responsibility and it needs a better, more influence. And I need more of those people and less of the people sitting around either asking me what to do or not doing the things that they've already been asked. That's right. It's the person who does what they've been asked and then they're even man, looking for other ways to contribute. So I, that would fall into Absolutely. Right, yeah, right? I heard a guy say this the other day when I was teaching through some of this content with a group of young leaders where he just said, when, you, when you're kind of done with your own work, what do you do then? Uh, do you go out to your team and say, what else can I help with? Or do you run and hide? Um, and so, yeah, those that, hey, all right, I'm done with my responsibilities. Now, what can I do to help us take job, you know, take problems off my boss's plate, help out my team? That shows a diligence. That shows, you know, when, when you face a problem, you're not going to just go, I don't know how to solve that. I'm just asking my boss how to solve that. No, you're trying to come up with solutions for it. All of those are very, very practical ways to show I care. I care about this place and I care about the job and what we're doing and I want to be diligent. That's good. And then what was the third one? Uh, growth, right? Growth. So that you you have this hunger for progress and development uh, individually. So you want to continue to grow as a professional. Uh, you want to continue to grow as a person. You want to, you want to get better at whatever it is that you're doing. And this may be, maybe for those that are that have been working for five or 10 years, um, how would you react if your boss came to you today and said, guess what? We just bought a new company or we're opening up a new office in Austin or um, we're, we're merging with another company. How are you gonna react to the growth of the organization? Because I will see a lot of young leaders that are just kind of like, more work and less money. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so... That communicates something to the leadership, which is because uh, leaders want to see things grow, right? They want to see things grow. And so if you're always like, hit the brake, hit the brake, hit the brake, I don't want to do more work, uh, we can talk about that. There may be some good reasons for that, but it's that, that's what we talk about in growth. It's yourself. I want to keep getting better, and I, I want to see the organization keep growing. Yeah. Is there, and you may talk about this in the book, and we may not have time, honestly, to go too far into it, but I would think of... And I, I can't remember the fourth one, so we'll talk about Endurance, that. Endurance, yeah. Endurance. Well, uh, what I was going to say is the growth one, a hunger, feels like one of the harder things to cultivate in people because it has to almost come from either a a drive that they have or it's it's that motivating thing. But to get people to be hungry to personally grow, is there anything that you would share on that? And and you may have more in the book that it's just worth, it's too much to share right now, but to to develop in people or in yourself. It's an appetite. I mean, it's kind of like my relationship with coffee. The first couple of times I drank coffee, I didn't really like it. But I, I stuck with it for a little bit, and you start to develop the appetite for it. You start to get used to it. And so I would say if somebody's like, ah, I don't know if I want to grow, right? Yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. I don't know if I want to do that. I would say, why don't you just try? So yeah. try listening to a book. Try reading a book. Try taking a class. Try doing something like that. And I think you can start to develop that appetite because here's the deal, like how this causes you to stand out. I can't tell you, and I know you do this too because you're a reader. This is, this is a little cheat code. If you just start reading a book, right, or listening to podcasts like this or whatever, um, there will be something that you will hear that in your next meeting, 
you're going to find an opportunity to share it. Yeah. yeah and you true, are true. you are going to win that meeting. Yeah. Because you're going to be like, oh my gosh, I was listening to a podcast the other day and we talked about this and how growth and how we all need to be growing more. And I just think maybe if we start to institutionalize and they're going to be like, well, Becca, that was a great idea. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, that's amazing. What else are you learning? Yeah. And then you're just going to, like, totally. that's going to feel good. And you're going to be like, I'm going to keep reading. Yeah. Because right? I keep good. winning and I keep standing out. That's good. <laughs> the bar's low, right? The bar's low. It just takes little things that's like that. That's right, man. And then the fourth, endurance. Um, yeah. And what would you say on that in terms of, because I that... mean, this is uh, maybe in our instant culture, one of the things we need to keep remembering is just the value of endurance and being able to bounce back from hard things. Um, it, it like work is going to always be hard. It's just, it always is. It doesn't matter if you're working on staff at a church or for some nonprofit that you are really, uh, you really care about. It doesn't matter if you're in business for yourself and it doesn't matter if you're in a big or a small organization, it is going to be hard. And so those who can just endure and make it and just keep showing up, they're going to start standing out because, you know, there's going to be so many that are just going to quit and give up and just and just sit there and just go whew, kind of back to, to pessimism and optimism. Yeah. Life's hard. Why try? Yeah. Right. And go, no, if you, you keep at it, you're going to start standing out. Which is important to remember, because at least when I was growing up, adage is like, man, find something you love and are passionate about and you'll never work a day in your life. Yeah. It, it's just not true. Not true. That every person that is incredibly successful or really anybody of any level of achievement in any arena, whether it's in a church staff or in business. Yep. I mean, you've been in every, all of those arenas and to do anything well, it just takes. Yeah. None of them have been easy. Yeah. The only thing that's been easy is, uh, is vacation. Yeah. I mean, other than that, every day I show up, it's not easy. It's never been. Yes. Right. And so, uh, but you keep going, you keep developing that endurance and, and you start standing out. It's good. Man, I hope that is helpful. I feel like we could honestly just keep going. But if you are in a position where you want to stand out and have the edge, this is a resource that we hope will really help you and bless you. And candidly, so many of the people listening are in that career stage where um, they're trying to decide what, what is God calling them to, where to work, how should they work. And this is a tool that we think will really set you up. Maybe you're an employer or you have a company or you lead a team, and this could be something to walk through as a team that could lead really some good discussions Absolutely, yeah. that um, may be kind of layups for you to just cultivate the environment. Sure. Let's just talk about yep. how do we do this and yep. what does this look like? And do you guys maybe lead out as a boss? Do you think I do this? Yep. You know, and how do I, uh, how could I grow in it? And, uh, and to do that, they go to Amazon and type in. Uh, you can type in Adam Tarno or David Morrison or The Edge. Uh, that may be the easiest way to find it. But you go to My Edge Book, myedgebook.com. Uh, everything's there. We've got a series of videos, actually, that we created for team leaders and for the leaders that they can watch that you can use in a team meeting where here's some teaching on it. And we got a reflection and discussion guide that you can use to lead a team meeting. So, again, you want to win a meeting. Yeah. You want to you uh, stand out. Just go, hey, boss, what if we do this? And uh, and it's right there for you. Adam, thank you for being here. Adam is My pleasure. but the longtime friend. And I've always seen you like Patrick Lencioni, who most of our audience may not even know who that is, which is crazy. He's like a leadership guru and so I'm, I'm so excited for this resource and can't wait for it to be out and read it. And thanks for being here. And yeah. go Yankees. Go Yankees. <laughs> you hate the Astros, Astros. you like the Yankees. Boo Astros. That is so shocking to me. All right, that's it from us. We'll see you next week on another episode of Views from the Porch. Thank you for listening to Views from the Porch. For more information about the porch, follow us on social media or visit us at theporch.live. And as always, go in peace and love to serve the Lord this week.